Good morning, everybody. This is Jamalyn Pay Williamson, and I am excited for one thing more today because I have my brother with me today. So welcome, Josh Pay. How are hey, you? It's great to be with y'all. It's great. One thing more. I'm not sure I can keep it to one thing, though. I'm not sure yeah. I'll, I'll measure up to the brand promise here. Yeah, no, we're, we are pays and we are kind of talkers. So that's exciting. So um, Josh is here actually in Zinesville with us for a week. He came yesterday because the church is engaging in the chosen or yes, it's called chosen. I'm going to let Josh tell you all about it in a second. But yesterday we had a chance to get family pictures and people are um, deciding to make a commitment to this wonderful community in Guatemala and help children and create chances to have clean water and let kids go to school and all those things that I love. Um, so I'm going to just get straight to it. And um, Josh, why don't you tell us um, about World Vision, who you work for? And um, at the end, we'll do a quick um, Q&A pepper session where I'll ask you some things that have nothing to do with your work. Oh, boy. Yeah. This will be good. Well, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for welcoming me um, into the community this weekend. Obviously, uh, I, have, I have the joy of partnering with lots of churches around the United States through what Jamal described as a pretty special initiative called uh, Chosen that World Vision is uh, deploying these days. But it's uh, sort of a double joy for me just because the UMC is so special to uh, my heart and to our family, obviously. Uh, having grown up in the same family with Jamelin and Dave being my brother-in-law, we're especially invested in what God's doing here in this community. And, uh, and we're also benefiting from it. Um, little, little known fact, some of you who maybe watched online, watched my daughter, uh, Abigail, read the scripture uh, this weekend before I taught. And uh, truth is, especially through COVID, we were streaming live um, the UMC services and still do every weekend into our living room. And so even though I call Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania home these days. Um, the UMC has been a lifeline, a faith lifeline for our family. So thanks for letting us join you, even even from a distance. But uh, specifically about World Vision's work. So yeah, I mean, it's my joy to be able to serve this re really remarkable global humanitarian organization. I served in uh, pastoral ministry, uh, just like Jamelin and Dave, for 18 years, was a uh, pastor in three different churches, uh, twice an associate pastor, teaching pastor, and then most recently was a senior pastor for uh, just short of 10 years in Rockford, Illinois, before jumping in to this ministry with World Vision. So, uh, you know, I kind of, for, for me personally, I just, I share this passion, which I know that many of you do, uh, for localized local ministry work in local churches right here in your own community, but then also reserve enough space in my heart uh, for what kind of the global movement of Jesus is around the world and how we can be his hands and feet. Um, and so it's, uh, it's fun at this phase in my life and career and calling to be able to have a foot in both of those worlds. Um, yeah. Well, I'm obviously, I told everybody last week, I'm, I might be a little biased, but, um, you're definitely one of my favorite preachers. Um, and I thought you did an amazing job yesterday of sharing what it means to really look at the world as, you know, that we're all connected. We just might be divided by territory. So, um, you know, talk to us a little bit about the community that Zionsville is going to be serving. Yeah, sure. Aguacatan, Guatemala is a really special community. And um, before I kind of jump into the community itself, it might be worth 
sharing you know, world, world Vision as an organization um, is partnering with communities in more than 100 different countries. And uh, we're about a 70-year-old uh, organization, uh, have our roots way back in kind of the con contemporary Bob Pierce, who was our original founder, was a contemporary of Billy Graham and uh, was an evangelistic, evangelistic crusader and uh, found himself one particular evangelistic crusade in Korea after the Korean War. And, uh, you know, thousands of people came to Christ in that particular crusade, as well as a lot of small kids, like teenagers, young kids. Um, the problem was, as soon as they came to Christ, they were culturally, uh, you know, um, kicked out of their families and ended up in orphanages. And there was a an orphanage director who came to Bob Pierce, our director, and said, hey, what are you going to do about all these kids? Thanks for coming and preaching Jesus. But yeah, what are you going right. to do about all these kids that I, you know, these mouths that I have to feed now? And he said, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go home. Uh, he, he, the story goes that he reached into his pocket and gave her all the money that he had and said, I'm going to go home and ask my friends to send more. And that became sort of the modern birth of the what's now the modern child sponsorship movement. Yeah. And uh, World Vision has sort of been you know, kind of um, pursuing that over the last 70 years. And as a result of that, um, you know, has have become engaged in lots of communities around the world in particular. Um, so our, our model is to address, um, you know, kind of the root causes of poverty. So we're, uh, I know we're going to talk about this in a minute, a minute, but we're more of a community development organization um, that certainly has, has Christian discipleship as one of our key, like leading development um, areas, sectors that we want to work in. But recognize that man, in order to have a, a long-term conversation and development of someone's spiritual growth, we have to first address a lot of their, their physical needs and clean water, healthcare, education, these all become sort of key things that we need to address while we're leading them into the fullness of life that Jesus promises in, in John 10, 10. Um, yeah. And so Aguacatan, Guatemala is one of those communities. And uh, it's a a, a beautiful community, um, I think about five hours north of Guatemala City, which is the capital of Guatemala. Um, if you have ever been to Guatemala, you will know that it is uh, very pleasing to the eyes. It is a incredible, incredible um, landscape and, and beauty everywhere that you look. But reality is, I mean, extreme poverty is rampant around the entire country, especially in those lacro nations. You know, you think about Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. I mean, these are places that are that are constantly battling extreme poverty. We see it with, you know, in our news feeds, we see the result of that in caravans yeah. and uh, migration north to the to the United States. Um, but when you're down in those countries, what's clear is you know, these, these are families that love their country and they want to stay home yeah they're they very do. proud very proud of where they live the reality yeah. is the um you know the conditions have become so extreme especially for young children that they feel there's no choice but to uh, but to try to migrate into a, a different kind of life not even knowing what that life is going to be um and so i think that's important too for people to realize is they want to stay home they want to feed oh, their yeah. kids and you know everybody wants to stay where they're from you know, so that's why I love this program so much that you guys are doing. Um, they it do, gives them they an do opportunity. want to stay home. Right. One of the things, so, and about Aguacatan specific, I shared on the weekend, you know, it's a special place to me because it's the last place that I traveled internationally before COVID uh, sort of <sighs> locked all international travel down. I'd, I'd led a team actually into this specific community. So if you think about it, we're serving in more than 100 different countries around the world. Um, but this is one that I put my two feet in. And uh, it's a, a beautiful people who really are committed 
to seeing their community thrive over the next 15 to 20 years. Um, and it was, it was on that trip, in fact, that uh, my perspective, and I know we're not jumping into a, a big conversation about um, kind of the uh, migration um, and immigration here, but you know, my perspective was significantly shifted on that trip because I was with my Honduran, or my, uh, I'm sorry, Guatemalan counterparts. And uh, I asked uh, one of them, I said, listen, you know, tell me about this, about you know, people sending their kids into these caravans. And she said, we don't want to come to America. Right. <laughs> we want to stay here. We want a better life for our own yeah. people in our own country, which is interesting because, you know, you read kind of our news feeds and kind of assume, again, from this sort of, um, you know, Western United States right. sort of paternalistic paradigm that says, oh, everybody's life will be better if they're here. Everybody yeah. wants to come to New York City or something. And, and the reality is that's not the prevailing no. thought. Yeah. The prevailing thought is we love our country. We want to see our country flourish. We just don't know that we have the resource to be able to do it. And so what we're doing, the development model that we've deployed and um, kind of what Chosen helps to um, to make happen is to put the resource back into the community so that these communities can flourish and thrive and people can have a better life right where they call home. Yeah. So... Have you seen different countries in their different stages of development? Yeah, not even in different countries, but there are different phases of development within what we would call one, one specific AP. So for us, the word AP means area project. Sometimes we call them ADPs, area development project. And uh, so Aguacatan, is, for example, is an, is an AP inside of Guatemala. Guatemala might have, I don't have the number in front of me, but they might have 25 or 30 APs that we are investing in within that specific country. Now take that, multiply it times 100 countries, oh you get a lot of APs pretty quick. But an AP represents anywhere between about 10,000 and 50,000 people population base. So you can think of it as maybe a county. And um, you know, our desire is to help influence all of the development that needs to happen inside of that county for fullness of life. So 10,000 to 50,000 people. And we make a, about a 15, it's usually around a 17 to 20 year commitment to that AP. And we do it in four phases. And so there's, you know, obviously without getting into details, phase, phase one through phase four has different components to it. But phase one as an example is, is mostly a convening phase, right? So we are not an organization that is a sending organization. We don't take missions trips. We don't uh, rally. And there's, you know, we're pro all of that. It's just not what our particular model calls for. Um, you know, we don't gather 15, 20 people up and take them down to solve the problems in that community. We convene local leaders in that community. You know, not unlike what what uh, you've invested with in Zombie Fanwa down in in Fanwa, right? You're convening. Yeah the leaders in that community to identify what the root causes of poverty are. And then we create about a 15 to 20 year, what we call community vision map that is, you know, completely influenced by those local community leaders. And then we get busy empowering with resource and partnership and expertise. We get busy empowering that community vision plan. And so then by phase two, you're starting to implement inside of what is typically five or six different sectors of work that may be clean water, sanitation and hygiene, that may be education, that may be child protection, that may be microfinance, 
um, you know, all, all these, these different sectors then get addressed in phase two and phase three. But, you know, we're there for the long haul. So we want, we want to see this thing thrive and see the local leaders adopt it and have the opportunity to, to make it thrive. We're empowering that. But we also want to be done, right, which is unique to our model, too. So it's like we're not committing forever to this community. Uh, we have a desire to actually graduate the community. We hope that there will be a day between 17 and 20 years down the road where Aguacatan now has all of the tools that they need to address poverty in their own community. Hopefully they've eradicated a lot of those root, root causes of poverty. And then we pull out and we move on to another community. And to answer your question more specific, you know, you can see, you go to Aguacatan and Aguacatan is a relatively new community that we're investing in. Uh, well, it's not, not, it's not entirely sure. I, th- I want to think maybe eight or nine years. So we're probably in phase two uh, uh, with Aguacatan. You drive about 30 minutes one direction and you will be in another area of that same community um, that is in phase one. And it is striking the difference. You drive about 30 minutes in a different direction and you'll be in a community that has graduated uh, and it, you know, that's in year 25 or so now. And it is a striking difference. I mean, you can see clearly how the development model is actually accomplishing significant uh, infrastructure in place and that in kind that of community. Thing. Yeah. So I'm interested about the graduation because I'm in year three of probably a 20 year mm-hmm. commitment. We, it, for Zami Fondwa, we just um, did a, had, had our leaders do a survey and we know there are 70, possibly 177 houses that need to be built. Mm-hmm. So I envision having this huge celebration at the end of that. So tell me like what that graduation party, is it a little slice of heaven? I assume so. I'm new enough to all this uh, in the organization that I've not had the joy of being at a graduation, but yes, it's a, it is a community celebration. Um, You know, obviously celebrating the development that has been done, but more than anything, celebrating the leaders that have made it happen. Yeah. Um, Again, we want, our model is, uh, we don't want to be the hero. World Vision's not the hero. The local leaders in the community are the heroes. The faith leaders and uh, and such are the heroes. And so we're empowering them and we're celebrating their uh, their great efforts over the long haul to make this happen. So you talked a little bit about um, you guys don't do mission trips. Um, so is I, I was that kind of helped me sit up a little because we struggle with that a lot too. I always tell people, I'm, you're welcome to come down and see what we're doing, that our philosophy is that Americans don't do what a Haitian could do. So is it sounds like World Vision's very similar to that. Yeah, I mean, we recognize um, that there is, you know, the, the body of Christ is a, is a global body. Um, and so there are uh, good-hearted, full-hearted, fully committed Jesus followers who are indigenous to that community that we want to empower to do the work in their own community. Similar yeah. to how, you know, Dave's mission is to empower people right here in Zionsville to love and care for Zionsville. You know, to yeah. sort of one of the one of the phrases I've always loved is "bloom where you're planted." Right. So we yeah. Want to help people bloom where they're planted. So um, now that's not to say that there's not value to that sort of thing. Like there's there's great value to sure. Uh, getting on a trip and going and immersing yourself. And sometimes the only way your heart can really break for the things that break the heart of God is to fully immerse yourself into yeah. it. And so um, we're, we're very supportive of other organizations who 
would want to deploy a model that takes people to the field and immerses them in that. Yeah. We would just say, don't do it to the expense of those in that community um, yeah. who, who need to be empowered, right? And so um, I shared a story with Dave, you know, the, the last sort of traditional mission trip, quote unquote, you know, that I went on, went on personally or led was in 2003. I, my wife, Pilar, and I had led um, trips to San Juan de la Maguana for years and, uh, you know, had Where? taken San Juan de la Maguana in the Dominican Republic. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, we would, we would kind of rally folks up and go down and do service projects and build, build something or, you know, whatever. Wait a minute. Whatever That's where we happen. got our bridesmaid dresses. It is. That's exactly yes. right. I, yeah. I remember that. She had a woman make them for us. She did in the Dominican. <laughs> she did and brought, brought them home. So there was that, I guess there was that that came out of it, but, uh, I had one the local economy. <laughs> one particular uh, situation, though, on our last trip down there where I was on a crew, you know, here I am a pastor. I have a the- theology degree, right? Um, I'm, I'm not terrible with a hammer, but I wasn't, I wasn't built to, you know, to do that. And so here I go down for a week to San Juan and, and the project for that particular organization was to build a security wall around the school. And I spent the week, you know, up on a ledge with a trowel and mud and land block. And I looked out. We had a crew of about four with two Dominican uh, young men that were on our crew. And I looked out over the wall as we were working that week. And there were probably three or four like young, youngish, you know, teenage um, Dominican young men sitting on what was literally a, a dirt heap. And I turned to one of the Dominican guys on our, on our crew. And I said, Hey, who are those guys? And he said, Oh, those are the guys that are going to do what you're doing when you're gone. Yeah. And I, I said, know. well, what do you mean when I'm gone? And they said, well, yeah, this is their, you're, you're doing their job. I said, well, when I'm gone, will they get paid? And he said, yeah, they'll get paid. And I said, are they getting paid while I'm here? And he said, no, they're not getting paid while you're here. And that was the moment that I just thought, man, what, what, what actually am I doing here? I mean, am I, am I the guy that's supposed to come down and uh, have this great experience that fills me up and makes me feel very altruistic about myself? It's sort of, and I call it, you know, this is a, a little bit sarcastic, but I sort of call it, you know, missional tourism, right? Am I yeah. down here to have a great trip and feel good about myself at the expense of somebody who could actually take the resource and benefit from, from it. And so that yeah. was the last time that I decided I would do that sort of trip. Now I go on missions trips all the time, but they are what I would call vision trips, right? Yeah. Like I'm in that community to immerse myself in the community, to understand the root causes of poverty in that community so that I can come home and figure out ways to empower to empower a resource to go into that community. And so I would invite any anybody who wants to do that kind of work, by all means, get on a plane and get to the field for that purpose. I love that vision trip. I'm going to change that today on our website. I've been trying to figure out a different word than mission. Okay, that's exciting. Thank you for that. I will be taking all the credit for making that change. <laughs> well, that would that would be true. <laughs> I don't know. Say the last. 45 years Careful. or so of our relationship. I am 30 years old, so I'd like for you to watch it. Um, so, okay, well, I have a question. We did all these pictures yesterday. It was super fun. But also, I know it's summer and people are traveling for baseball and softball and basketball and going to the lake. And yeah. so what if someone listens to this and says, man, I missed it, but I really want to be a part of it. How did, can they do that or how's that? Absolutely. Work? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the, one of the powerful things there's, they absolutely can. And you absolutely, I would invite you to come do this, to say yes, to being chosen. 
Uh, let me describe what it is in case you were gone or maybe you're picking up this after ever having listened to maybe the message through one ear. That's fine. I do that all the time too. Is, um, you know, what, when you say yes to being chosen, you're saying yes to empowering a child in, in a guacaton uh, with the ability to choose you. Right. So rather than typical child sponsorship model was you, you look at a sea of pictures of children and you choose which child you want to be in relationship with. And one of the big things that happened um, a couple of years ago when we launched this new model for child sponsorship was we started asking the question, well, how do we how do we affirm the inherent dignity of every child that we're that we serve by giving them the ability to choose? Right. So uh, typically child sponsorship on the receiving end was very passive. Right. A child has no idea who you are. Suddenly, uh, you know, one of our staff just shows up one day and says, hey, welcome to the program. You're now sponsored. It's like, oh, great. There's some person back in the United States that cares about me. But that was never they never got to participate in being a part of the, the, the catalyst to their own transformation. Well, now we're letting them be the catalyst, right? They get to take responsibility and be the one to generate this relationship. And that is having significant impact in the field. You know, children are now coming into the program with, um, with a different level of engagement and sense of responsibility, which is amazing. So when you say yes to being chosen, uh, you take your photo, we're gonna send it down to a guacaton uh, where a child is gonna walk into a room and they're gonna have the ability to choose you and say yes to be in a relationship with you. And then we're gonna take their photo of them holding your photo and uh, they're gonna write their first letter home to you in that moment. So actually write at the top uh, of the page, I chose you because, and then they'll fill in the blank there. And, um, and that's a pretty special moment when you get to see what it was that was going through their mind and their heart oh, I love that. In, in, into your eyes. Yeah. And then that'll come back. So uh, this weekend, you know, if, if you weren't here this Sunday, um, you know, all that's happening tomorrow in Aguacatan. And then next weekend is a, is a big reveal weekend where there will be a bunch of envelopes hanging and you'll be able to find the envelope and meet that child because we're turning it around that quickly. Um, obviously, if you're jumping in right now, that that window has passed, but it's not too late to say yes to this and still be a part of the fun that's going to happen in, Gu in Aguacatan because next week there will be a second choosing party. And uh, anybody who missed the deadline oh. this time will actually have a second smaller party uh, for anybody who wants to say yes now. And then it just takes a couple of weeks. So you'll get your reveal. It won't come in a physical envelope. It will come uh, by email. You'll get to meet the child that chose you. And then we'll send you a packet a, a couple of weeks later with that first letter home and all those kinds of things. So if you want to do that, if you want to jump in and still say yes to being chosen and join the many ZUMC faces that are going to be there in the Aguacatan community, all you have to do is this. Grab your cell phone real quick. All right, you got it. Pull that puppy out and pull out the text messaging. And uh, just simply text this keyword, Z-U-M-C, to the number 56170. So type Z-U-M-C to 56170. You're going to get a quick bounce back uh, link. You're going to click on that link. You'll have the ability to uh, decide how many children you want to give the empowering choice to. And uh, you just fill that information out. And then it's going to ask you to upload a selfie. That's the best part. So yeah. you can do that individually or with your family, take a picture, upload that selfie. And then our team's going to get that down to Aguacatan this week so that you can be a part of wave two choosing party and then meet the child that chose you. Yeah. And John will put that in our notes 
if you're driving, don't do that while you're driving, please. <laughs> um, John will put it in the notes below so uh, you can have a chance to do that just as soon as possible. Um, Josh, we're out of time. Oh, that's a kind bummer. Oh, this is all. No, no, it's fine. We may do a bonus where I just get to ask you uncomfortable questions and have you talk about your feelings with me. So it would be like a normal Thursday night while we were growing up. <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to go there. Oh. Um, okay. Well, I'm love what you're doing. I love it. Love it. I love that. Now I've caught a nugget and I'm going to go in and make mm. a change to my organization. So that's exciting. Um, too. So please, if you are not sure it, and it's $39 a month, if you think about that, it's like seven coffees. So like make mm -hmm. a pot of coffee one day and, um, give that all that extra Starbucks money to this child. You can literally, literally change a life, change a life. So, um, go look at the notes. It'll give you all the information on how to text and how to get signed up and, um, and you'll get to be a part of it. And, you know, maybe we might even be able sometime because we work as a church in Guatemala. It would be so yeah. fun to like make a pit stop and see this community at some point too. So, okay. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, as we close, Josh and I have um, another brother, but Josh, one of the questions I had was, who do you think your favorite sibling is? <laughs> I can tell you my favorite sister. Ah, uh, that's me. That's nice. All right. Well, thanks for joining. Bye, everybody. See we Thank will you. talk to you soon.